But just like the fire which refused to consume the offering of Cain, this great fire which Nimrod had built refused to accept Abraham as an offering, and instead it was cool and calm on Abraham. And Abraham was saved and was not burnt. And all of those who were in the city of Babel beheld the great miracle whereby Abraham was not burnt. And so even though Abraham came to them with the will, and even though Abraham displayed his knowledge and was able to even defeat and debate Nimrod, and even though Abraham was calling towards the supremacy of God, Abraham was accompanied by miracles as well, but they still rejected. And this attempt to assassinate Abraham resulted in the wrath of God. And the second covenant between God and mankind was over. It was broken. said in the previous covenants, Adam was chosen by God. Iblis objects to him. He has envy. He's obsessed with ruling. He's obsessed with religious authority. He's obsessed with political authority. He can't let things go. He refuses to accept that anybody else can be better than him. And he wants to appoint himself and enforce his own will on the will of God. And God won't have any of it. After kicking him out of paradise for his act of disobedience against God's choice, he manages to seduce Adam and to infect Adam with pride and to make Adam also think of himself as being the best of creation. And Adam's pride leads him to disobey the one commandment in the very first covenant that God makes with humanity. And so that is the beginning of our story with God, one of disobedience one of pride. And the price of that is that Adam ends up being kicked out of the garden, just like Iblis, landing in the same lower dimension as Iblis, and that his woman, Eve, ends up becoming a prey to Iblis, and he impregnates her, just as he had infected Adam. Now he infected Adam's lineage, and Eve becomes impregnated with Cain, a seed of Iblis who resembles Iblis, who carries the same traits as Iblis, and who is also obsessed with religious authority and decides to kill his brother over it and to establish cities in the land where he appoints himself as ruler and as king. And so the supremacy of the people is going wild amongst the Canaanites, the children of Cain, 
And there's only few of the children of Adam on the other side whom are upholding the supremacy of God and adhering to the laws of the covenant and trying to keep it intact. And because this small few, just like the small few that were with Noah, adhered to and kept to the covenant, God refused to break. Well, it wasn't God that broke it, but he refused to bring down the punishment when the Canaanites broke it. But eventually things got so bad that God decided to purify the entire earth by bringing down a flood which wiped out all of the descendants of Cain and he hits the restart button and establishes a new world with a new beginning with a new covenant and that was the Noahic covenant which he establishes with a prophet, a second Adam whose name is Noah who becomes the father of all humanity now. This new covenant, its sign is the rainbow. And there's changes in the jurisprudence. Meat is allowed and retribution is required for the spilling of blood of any Adamite. The same thing happens and Noah gives a prophecy of a future savior who is to be born, whose name is Abraham, and he writes down his name in the will of Noah, along with the names of all of the successors up to Abraham. And the children of Noah would await and pray every year for the relief and for the coming of this savior. On the other end, the children of Canaan, who are descendants of Cain, end up spreading all over the planet. And they kill and murder the children of Adam. And they build, like their forefather Cain, great cities. And they establish great houses of worship where they're worshiping fire that eats their offerings, unlike the fire of Abel. And they build a great tower called the Tower of Babel, which penetrates the heavens. And it's ruled by a self-proclaimed God-king, who's described as a great hunter of men and an enslaver of people, Nimrod. Abraham appears and he claims himself, proclaims himself to be that promised savior who is mentioned by Noah. He demonstrates uh, how knowledgeable he is and he defeats all of the non-working scholars and makes them go silent. He even defeats Nimrod himself and he, he displays his great divine logic and knowledge. The stories are preserved in the Quran and in the traditions which demonstrate like the story where he smashed all of the idols in the house of worship and he put the axe where, where he smashed, which he used to smash the other idols into the hand of the big idol. And when the people came and they were outraged and they asked, who is the one who smashed these idols? Who, consec who desecrated the temple? Abraham's response was, you should ask the one with the axe in his hand, the big idol. He's the one who did it. And when they said, but he can't talk, he can't move, it's just an idol. Abraham's response was, well, then why do you worship it? And Abraham 
called towards the supremacy of God. He was rebelling against the kingdom of Nimrod. And he was rebelling against the laws of Nimrod and their, their festivities and their, their horrendous acts of murder and enslavement. Abraham rejected those and he only upheld the covenant of Noah and the jurisprudence of Noah. Until one day Nimrod had enough and he took Abraham and he flung him into the fire in an attempt to offer him as an offering. But just like the fire which refused to consume the offering of Cain, this great fire which Nimrod had built refused to accept Abraham as an offering. And instead it was cool and calm on Abraham. And Abraham was saved and was not burnt. And all of those who were in the city of Babel beheld the great miracle whereby Abraham was not burnt. And so even though Abraham came to them with the will, and even though Abraham displayed his knowledge and was able to even defeat and debate Nimrod, and even though Abraham was calling towards the supremacy of God, Abraham was accompanied by miracles as well, but they still rejected. And this attempt to assassinate Abraham resulted in the wrath of God. And the second covenant between God and mankind was over. It was broken. And any time a covenant is broken, a punishment comes down. But instead of a flood this time, because God promised he would never do that again to the earth, God brought down confusion and confused the languages of the Canaanites and caused them to be many nations and tribes, all who were competing against one another. And so he weakened the Canaanites and caused them to be dispersed. And God takes Abraham and establishes with him a new covenant, a covenant which only includes Abraham and his family, whom were the last remaining believers on the planet, the last remaining Adamites on the planet. And he blesses them. And he says, I have chosen you. And I'm going to make a covenant with you. And he adds to the jurisprudence of the, of the covenant of Noah, and he makes it obligatory that every male from the family of Abraham be circumcised. And he chooses circumcision instead of the rainbow to be a sign of the covenant where, which he establishes with Abraham. And so if the rainbow was a sign for all of the people to behold, or all the believers to behold, then, then how could circumcision be a sign? And a sign to who? when circumcision itself is an act which takes place in a private area which is usually covered. The only individuals who could behold and know whether or not a person was circumcised or uncircumcised is the parents or the wife of that male. Whereupon when they would get married on the first night before he would enter upon her, she would be able to see whether or not he was circumcised or uncircumcised. Oddly enough, circumcision in the Arabic language is called what, Mahmoud? Tatir. 
And tathir means what? Means purification. And so this act of circumcision was a purification for the family of Abraham. What was it a purification from? The only thing that it could be a purification from is from the lineage of the impure, which had once mixed with the lineage of Adam. It was to purify the seed of Adam through Abraham from these impure individuals, the Canaanites. It was so that the lineage of Abraham be separate forever from the Canaanites, that they may not intermingle, that they may not marry with one another, that the women of the family of Abraham and all those, uh, those daughters of Adam may never once again be infected by the seed of Cain and his family and his sons. And this was an extremely serious matter. And God warned Abraham. He said, if any man is to not be circumcised, he will be cut off from his people. And to be cut off from your people means to be cursed, to be abandoned like Cain was abandoned from before. And so circ circumcision became obligatory. And once again, we see the jurisprudence changes. And this act, imagine how horrific it would be to the ears of the person who had never heard it before. There's nobody, there was nobody on the planet that would ever think of cutting the flesh around the private parts. This is something that would be considered insane. And so Abraham and his family were insane with the people of the earth. Insane with the people of the earth, insane with God. In the Gospels, there's a story called the healing of the Canaanite woman. And this story tells uh, about how Jesus was walking with his disciples. And a Canaanite woman uh, comes forward and throws himself, throws herself at his feet. And she's crying and she's begging for Jesus to heal her daughter. She says, please, my daughter is being tormented by a demon. I've heard of all the miraculous wonders that you have done. Through one word of yours, you're able to banish demons and devils. Through a touch, you're able to heal the leper and the blind. Please save my daughter. Jesus remains silent. He's ignoring the woman. He doesn't even want to give her the time of day. He doesn't want to look at her. He doesn't want to talk to her. Then what happens? The disciples, they begin to mumble amongst one another, wondering, why is Jesus not helping this poor woman? Jesus finally responds to the woman who's very persistent in her crying and in her pleading. And he says to her, It is not befitting that you take bread, that I take bread from the hands of children and hand it to the dogs, thereby comparing the Canaanite woman to the dogs. She said, But even the dogs eat from the crumbles that fall out of off the table of the master. Amazed by her faith, he raises his arms and he prays. And he says, go forward, woman. Your daughter is healed. 
In the Gospel of Barnabas, which Imam Ahmed Hassan says is one of the truest Gospels that exist today, but it's not included in the modern-day Bible that was put together by the Council of Nicaea. There exists the story of the healing of the Canaanite woman, but a more extensive, longer version. And in this longer version, what takes place is that the disciples ask Jesus, why was it that you said these harsh words? Who can handle these words? And so Jesus says to the disciples that a dog is better than an uncircumcised human being. In other words, Jesus was saying that an animal is better and more cleaner than the impure Canaanites who were not under the covenant with Abraham. All those who were the descendants of Satan are impure and unclean and worse than the dogs and worse than the animals. And they had no rights. And they were, as they were not encompassed by and covered by the covenant, they did not have the right to eat, they didn't have the right to drink, they didn't have the right to be healed. It was fine that they remain in their torture, being possessed by demons, for verily they themselves are demons. They themselves are the descendants of Satan. And so the disciples had found this response of Jesus to be very harsh. And Jesus recounted to them the story of Adam and how Adam, when he was first put out of paradise, how he took the stone and cut off the flesh of his penis and said that it is sufficient that God has commanded Abraham, we must do the same. And so we see by this act that Jesus had committed how much God wanted to separate the two species the human beings and the, this other demonic species who were the descendants of Cain. We also point out in the story of Abraham that Abraham was married to Sarah. And in the Quran and in the Torah and in the narrations of the Ahlul Bayt and the Prophet Muhammad and the, also in the narrations of the Jews. You find that Sarah was the half-sister of Abraham. And so marriage at that time between siblings was still not forbidden for no legislation had come down which forbid these types of acts. In addition to that, you had uh, Abraham was related to Lot, and Lot was sent to Sodom and Gomorrah, and he was a prophet who was over there. In the story of Lot, when the punishment came down on Sodom and Gomorrah and destroyed those cities, and Lot went forth with his daughters, a, in a very odd thing happens, and that is that his daughters seem to think that the world has come to an end. And the only way to repopulate the world again is to um, raise the seed of their father, to preserve the seed of their father. 
And so what they do is they uh, pour alcohol for their father and they get him drunk and then each one of them engages with their father in an act and becomes impregnated and becomes the mother of a great nation which is mentioned in the Bible. And so marital relations between fathers and between daughters and marital relations between siblings was not at all prevented at that time and therefore you find these two things preserved in the third covenant.